Good morning. Okay, I can see your faces. And most of you look tired, so no offense, but it's totally true. I know I look the same. It's fine. Um, okay, it is November 9th, 2016, and guess what? We are still here. We are okay. It's going to be fine. Um, before we get into looking back, just kind of looking back at where we've traveled, um, I wanted to tell you a couple things that, that I feel like God just kind of threw at me. And I have a microphone, so I can say that. So, so I'm going to do it. I've got really good news. I've got good news. It's over. It's over. Okay? Good news. It's okay. I don't care who you voted for. Really don't. Don't want to hear about it. Don't care. Um, but I have better news. And I want you to hear me, every one of you. I want you to hear this. Are you ready? He is still on the throne. Still on the throne. Yesterday doesn't change. Same today, same yesterday, same forever. Okay? We, listen, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, um, I told our leaders this morning, and they looked at me crazy. So you can look at me crazy, too. It's fine. Um, has anybody ever flown on an airplane before? Good, that's awesome. This will be good. You'll understand this. So when I was in college, um, I was on a flight. And if you've flown a couple times, you've probably had one weird flight, right, that kind of you prayed a lot, made a lot of promises to God, right? I had a weird flight like that. And um, when I was in college, and I just remember it was really, really scary. And so ever since then, I'm a little tense on flights. Let me give you a tip. This was not even my notes. This is extra. Um, Jamie Michael, she's so brilliant. She told me one time, if you get stressed out on airplanes, put your feet up on your bag and not on the floor, and you don't feel the turbulence is bad. You're all, that was bonus material. <laughs> You're welcome. It's true. Back on track. So I was thinking about when I fly, um, and every time I fly, even if I hit just like a tiny little bump, you know what I do? You know who I look at? Who do I look at? The flight attendants. Do you look at the flight attendants? I look at them and I'm like, okay, they look, okay, they look fine. Their faces are still fine. Everything's fine. Because when I had that really bad flight, um, the, their faces were not fine. And they had that look. I mean, God bless them. They've been trained, right, their whole lives to, to just always have that look. Like everything's going to be fine. Everything. Oh, the, the, the luggage things are opening and things are flying. Oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's going to be fine. They didn't have that look. Because they're human beings, and they were afraid, and it was scary, and it was bumpy, and it was weird, and everything worked out. But I'll tell you what, I always look to them to see what their faces look like, because that tells me, even for just like a quick moment, if they break face, right, they're like, oh, you're just like, oh, God, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. <laughs> Poor, I'm sorry, if you're a flight attendant, I'm so sorry to put all that on you, but it really, just take that into account. Um, as I was thinking through what we just went through, an election, it's been hard. It's been so painful. It's been so physically exhausting. It's been mentally and spiritually taxing. It's divided us as believers. It's divided the world from the believer. It's just been hard. It's just been yuck, okay? No matter what you believe, no matter who you voted for, I don't care. Um, but you know what I thought about? We are the church, the big C church, right? We believe Walking in here, whether you're walking in like this or whether you're walking in like this or whatever, we believe what I said in the beginning, right? He is still on the throne. He is still on the throne. And so here's my challenge as you walk out of here today. Will you put on your flight attendant face? 
And I don't mean put on a fake face. I mean there is a watching world looking to see how you're going to react to this. Okay? And they want to see, do you really believe that he's still on the throne? Or do you just say that? And then if your candidate gets elected, then you're happy. Or do you really, really believe it in your bones that he is still in control and he is still the God that he was yesterday? And so when we walk out, when you walk into your small groups, I really want to challenge you to think about that. What is the world seeing how you're reacting? You say you believe in Jesus Christ. You say you trust God with the unknown and the unseen. How are you showing that? Flight attendant faces, it's not fake. It's looking at the world and saying, I know how the plane lands. I know the end of the story. Because the circumstances are not going to be the lens through which I see my God. I'm going to see the circumstances through the lens of my God. Okay? That's two totally different things. Look at life not through the lens of circumstances. Don't look at God through the lens of circumstances. But rather, how about we look at circumstances and pain and struggle and all these things, guys, through the lens of our God. So, when you walk out of here, I want to see happy faces. No, I'm, I'm, it's okay if it's not a happy face, but will you just think about that? Will you think about what you're telling the world about how you react? And do some of this, too. That makes you feel good, too. I did that this morning. Act like you're buckling seatbelts. Those things all help. Uh, we know how the story ends. So, we're going to pray, and we're going to open up our Bible to John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and we're going to talk through what John has shared with us. And I think we're all going to be a little surprised, maybe not, at how applicable this is exactly to what we're going through and what John's been telling us all this for a reason the whole time. Okay, so let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We thank you for today. Um, we thank you that we get, while difficult, we get opportunities to show a watching world what we really believe. I do not know what is right when it comes to electing officials. I do not know what it is right to, to barely get through my day. Um, but I do know this, that you are God. And you are on the throne and you are in control. God, will you help me remember to focus on what I know instead of how I feel? Um, feels... God, will you forgive me for the feels because so often I believe them over what I know about who you are. You are a God I can trust. You are a God who is in control. You are a God who loves us. None of that has changed, Father. I praise you and I thank you for that. And we pray that um, our time today, our conversations, our attitudes, just the way we look at all of this can be through the lens of a loving God. And we thank you for your son in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm glad y'all came in here first so that we can go review a little bit. Um, because as I sat down and started thinking through this, I'm like, hey, I really don't have anything else to say. I'm done. I, don't, I think he said it all, right? Um, but as I started going through my notes and started answering those questions that you're going to go answer in your, in your small group later, it really um, it, it was kind of awesome for me because I just started flipping through, and, and it brought me back to all those weeks, all those things that this John, who he's probably like 95-year-old John, right? You know, old crotchety John at sometimes, who kind of repeats things over and over. Um, but he has something to tell us. He has something to tell us about who God is, right? And by knowing who God is, then we learn who we are, right? Um, every single week in your homework, if you didn't, if you got that far and you didn't skip it, people, uh, 
Jen asked us, what aspect of God's character has whatever scripture we were looking at showed you more clearly? Do you remember that? Every single week we were challenged to, to take a passage and go, okay, how do I know God better today than I did yesterday after studying that? that, that is there any better way to approach his word? I don't think so. And so as we kind of look through this and, and we think back when we go into our small groups, we think back to all the things we learned. I thought what I would do is, is just kind of start um, week one and talk about what are those things that John has showed us in some situations over and over and over again, right? And what does he want us to walk out of this room today with our flat attendant faces on, believing and knowing about our God? All right, so put your thinking caps on and, and see if you remember some of these things. And if you don't, you know, hey, write them down because maybe you're supposed to hear it again. Because what do we know about repetition? It's, it's on purpose and that he does it to highlight things and to focus our, our hearts and our minds on truth. And so I went back and I started looking through. And so here's, here's a few things that I started realizing. Um, in the very beginning, I don't know if you remember this, week one, you've slept a couple of times since then. Do you know that we talked in week one about what these three letters were about, what they, the three letters were about. And you know what? This is such a weird coincidence. You know I don't believe in coincidences. So I looked back and I thought, oh, it was to know Jesus, to live in truth, and to reflect what? Love. Know Jesus, live in truth, reflect love. Do you think we got that over and over? Do you feel like we did? Know Jesus to know that truth, right? To, uh, to live in truth which is obedience, to reflect love, which to show that love that God gives us to abide in that agape love, right? I mean, we could just all be done right now. And that was week one. We were reminded um, that he was writing these letters because scripture was being mishandled and man's beliefs were being elevated above God's truth. Very applicable to where we are now. We were also reminded that he wrote this to the early church. Now, remember, these guys were one generation removed from the ministry of Jesus and that Paul and Peter had been martyred. Only John was left. And you know what? A little side note. I want to encourage you in one way. The church is not dependent on the government. Do you know that? Because we have history to show us that when Paul and the church was thriving, they were thriving. Nero was in charge. And guys, he was burning Christians at the stake to light up his garden. So be encouraged that the church can flourish no matter what the government's doing. And then we moved on and we started learning some things about, um, about sewing patches on our bag. Do you remember that? We talked about sewing patches on your bag. Do you walk in truth? Do you live a life as an eyewitness saying, it is Christ or nothing for me? Remember we talked about having a bag and not packing Jesus in your bag and climbing, but put the patches on the outside so everybody looks at you and goes, why she got that weird look on her face right now? We're all supposed to be upset about this. And in Christ alone, right? That's what it's supposed to be about. In Christ alone. Um, we learned about the proper biblical view of sin. We talked about how God is light and in him there is no darkness. We prayed that prayer. Do you remember when we said, show me, I'm watching. Speak to me, I'm listening. Touch my life, I'm ready. Have you revisited that? You know, John gives us those three tests over and over. We kept hearing over and over the test of righteousness and obedience, right? And all that is, is moving in the right direction, right? It's just moving the right way. That's all that is. 
It's an external visible proof of our salvation. It's not what we do to gain salvation. And then we talked about the test of love. Remember? Test of love. That was um, where we talked about love and tacos. Anybody show up for that week? That is in your Bible. Love tacos. Love tacos, L-U-V. The point was we are to love God, love people, and we are not to love the world the way we love God, love people. And by the world, I mean the enemy, spiritual systems that oppose Jesus' work or his truth. Okay? Test of love. That's a mark of a Christian. That's what we're supposed to be, all about love. The test of truth was that last test that we talked about over and over. And it was, uh, what is my attitude toward truth concerning Jesus Christ? Remember? I mean, there was one week I was looking at my lecture notes. I'm like, oh, man, I was a little aggressive that week. Sorry, guys. But it really is true. you got to make a decision. You, you've been sitting here for 11 weeks. Have you made a decision about what, what you think about the truth of Jesus Christ? Because you can't take some of it and leave some of it. It's all or nothing. you got to look at tenets, tastes, and teachings, remember? Tenets are those things that are non-negotiable. Um, excuse me, this whole last week, have we not been going there? Tenets, teachings, and taste. Teachings are things that we may not all agree on, but they don't determine our salvation. Amen? We've got a couple of those going on in our church, don't we? The big C church. Tastes, those are things that are just, oh, what I like. You know, my opinions, my preferences. I don't like people with holy jeans right? Tenants are the non-negotiables. So the test of truth is what is your attitude towards those things? The tenants of the belief of Jesus Christ is that he came from a virgin birth, that God ordained this. He chose to send his son to this world to live and die for us, that he lived on this earth, had a ministry, affected lives, loved on friends like John, showed us how to live, and then died for us. Died a death he didn't deserve. Died a death that we deserve. And then he rose again, right? And where is he now? At the right hand of God. Non-negotiable. Non-negotiables. We then learn from John that we're to practice righteousness, not lawlessness. Do you remember the whole practice thing? We were talking about that. That old nature and the new nature. And how it's really, you know, I'm always this person. And then as I'm getting, I'm getting better, I'm getting better. Because I'm starting to be this new person. He talked about brotherly and sisterly love. And that whole idea of, remember when I talked about my friend Brian. And how he had loved on his interpreter from Iraq. And how it was unshakable. And it was unselfish. And it was unnatural. And it didn't earn his salvation, but it showed evidence of it. You know, it's so cool because someday we're going to get to stand up there in front of Jesus and we're going to get to sit down like, I kind of picture like it'll be a really super comfy couch with like an ottoman and maybe like, I don't know, maybe shoulder massage or something really fantastic. And we get to watch this part of life where we get to see those moments we were Brian. And God goes, okay, you know what's super cool about this? You were, you were loving somebody right there, and you weren't doing it for recognition, and you weren't doing it for anything more than how you wanted to love me, and watch what happened, right? We get to see it all unfold. Sometimes here we don't get to see that, but we will. One day we will. We will get to see that. Um, we also talked about agape love. That was kind of for me over and over. Like I felt like that was God going, this is where you need to camp. Chris, this is where you need to be because you're not doing this well. And what was agape love? It was love in action, right? Love in action, not in feeling. It's love that says, I love you in spite of, instead of I love you because of. Remember? 
It's love that is completely unnatural. It's, um, it, <laughs> this, yeah. Remember the pedicure thing? Remember that whole thing? Guys, I'm still ashamed about that. It's loving people that are hard to love. Those pedicure people, the people that God sits in the chair next to you and you're trapped and you can't get out. Not loving my friends in here that are easy to love. Agape love. Choosing to love with healthy boundaries, with prayer, and with undeserved grace. That's how he loves us. That's what he calls us to do. John goes on to share with us about, oh, that testimony of Jesus, the blood and the water and how all of it matters. Our names are the children of God, right? Remember Becky told us about that? That is your name. You are a child of God. You have a testimony to share if you know Jesus as your Savior, a living testimony to share like our friend Sheehy did. We learned that eternal life is not a period of time, right? It's a person. Over and over, we get this understanding that John is trying to bang into our stubborn brains that this eternal life starts right here, right now. It's not something you look forward to. It's something that you live out right now through Jesus Christ. We learn that we get to pray his will. And, and even though that sounds really difficult and we can't always figure it out, we can copy Jesus. And we've got a whole big thing about Jesus, guys. It's, there's a whole bunch of red letter stuff in here that you can read and see how he did it. How do we copy what he did? He came not just to die. He came to live, too, to show us how to live. We can copy Jesus. We can pray scripture. We can praise God. Psalms. Amen? Been there? Done that? Do it again. It's important, especially in these days, in these hard, hard days. We're to resist the fakes. Do you remember my World Series tickets? I still have those available if anybody would like them. I, it, I hear that, yeah. Resist the fakes. And, and the way you identify what's fake is by what? You hold it up to what's real. What do you know? You hold it up and you compare. Identify what you want more than God. Rely on more than God. And look to for greater fulfillment than God. Those are the fakes. Those are the idols that we let slip into our lives. John warns us against that. He warns these believers that are reading this letter, that are starting the church, about that. Warns us, too. And maybe my favorite slash not favorite part was we are to be full of truth and full of love. Difficult to do that, right? I love, you know, this is, this is an aside, again, not on my notes, but one of the things that I think is so crazy, when you're reading through 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and we, so many times, and you can be honest, we've all rolled our eyes at John, like, come on, enough, right? And the thing that's so cool is he continues to reiterate over and over the necessity for the balance of truth and love, and it's shocking to me how incredibly difficult it is for me to live that out. And the thing that I think is cool about that is when it's difficult to live that out, you know what that reminds me? That I can't do it. Cannot do it, guys. You cannot do it. Sorry. It's true. That is why we need a God who can. Amen? We need a God who can. A God who can look at Chris Murphy, who is a disaster, and give her some crazy ability to walk out of a difficult conversation or a very, very hard circumstance and be able to walk out of that and go, whoa, how did I love that person? How did I remember truth? What just happened? That's God. That is not me. And that is not you. 
Give yourself a break. Quit trying to do it by yourself. I see your faces. I see your faces. Every week. And I know there are hard things that you are struggling with. Me too. But guys, it's not your responsibility to do this right. It's his responsibility. But what you have to do is come to him. Abide in him. Right? Heard that word a few times too. Full of truth, full of love, truth that goes deep and spreads wide, love that is built on the foundation of that truth, and grace that is an ultimate expression of love. Guess what? Over the next few weeks, you are probably going to get an opportunity to share some grace with people that don't deserve it. They may live in your house. Opportunity. Showing grace. Full of truth, full of love. And you know, as we kind of got to the end, we talked about that living testimony. Remember Diotrephes, the dude that we don't want to be? Remember that guy? Remember Gaius, the one that we're like, oh, he's so sweet. Jesus, oh, Jesus must have really loved him because John really loved him. And who do we want to be? They're both believers. That's what we understand from John. He tells us, hey, I'm warning you. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to have that testimony because your testimony is alive and active and happening and changing and telling the world what you believe. Convicting, right? 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, in a nutshell. He had something to say. And he had something to tell us. And I, I'm standing here now on November, what did I say, 9th. And I'm thinking, okay, now I get it. We needed every painful word of it. And we still do as we walk out. So now what? So we've done it. And what are we going to do? You've heard me say it before. Um, please don't close this and put it on a shelf. Please don't do that. Because we all have shelves. And some of us have several Bible studies up there, and they look real fancy and cool when people come over to see you. But can I challenge you to take this and, and let it infuse into your everything? Let it soak down into your bones? Because he didn't, he didn't intend for you to just do 11 weeks of Bible study, just like for just like a hot minute, and then go into the holidays and be a disaster. Because, guys, if we need this, we need it in the next month. Amen? Oh, my goodness. Holidays, people, the people, I told y'all, people are the problem. That is just the thing. And we are part of the problem. So now what? So how do we walk out of here? What do we do with it now? Okay, I, um, I've been, I think I told you guys on Facebook, if you haven't, this is a really cool thing. There's, there's a lot of different opportunities that we have to just keep ourselves entrenched in the word. But I'll tell you, if... You know, I'm not just plugging this, but if Equip right now has us going through the history of the church, of the Christian church, and it's fascinating. And I've been reading it, and it's been cool because some of it's been real parallel to kind of what we're, where we are, because obviously this is part of the history of the church. And the other day, um, the devotional that I was reading had this great paragraph, and I thought, wow, this really applies to us closing the book on these letters. And so I want to read this. I want you to think about where we've been with John, what we've heard about these people that are the early church and the struggles they have and what it means to us now as believers. So bear with me as I try to read this small writing. Okay, I'm ready. At this point in the church's history, we see the baton pass from the disciples of Jesus 
to the next generation of Christians. We see the gospel's enticing power as people accept Jesus as the promised Messiah, even though they never saw him with their own eyes. And this is the place that we find ourselves to in the era after Jesus. We have not seen him, but yet we believe thousands, millions of people all over the world for centuries have put their faith in Jesus Christ without seeing him with their own eyes. This is the power of the gospel. Even Jesus knew that this was important. In John 20, 29, he says this, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet still believe. Praise God for opening our eyes to the truth of the gospel. That's where we are. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. That is us. We are the people that are to go out and make disciples. You know that? We are it. Carl Henry said this. Um, the early church didn't say, hey, look what the world is coming to. They said, look who has come into the world. We need to walk out here today in the coming months, weeks, months, years, whatever, looking at life that way. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he's still on the throne? Or is he only on the throne when your circumstances are satisfied? Because that's a really bumpy, hard Jesus to put in a tiny little bottle if that's the Jesus you're going to follow. Because guys, that's not who our God is. The early church didn't say, look what the world has come to. They said, look who has come into the world. May we be echoing that same testimony. Okay, so where are you going to put your hope? You're going to walk out of here. You're going to close the book. You're going to go to lunch. You're going to chat with your friends. You're going to get on Facebook and get completely depressed again. I highly advise everyone to stay off social media for a little while. Let's just chill, okay? Do you put your hope in the God of John? Do you put your hope in the God who you have not seen and yet still believe? The God of light, love, justice, righteousness, hope, freedom, trustworthiness. All those things we've learned in the last 11 weeks, haven't we? Or will you try harder? Will you just be better? Will you do more things? Will you be fake until you break? Will you run faster? Will you just go, 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 go? Just try to fix it all yourself? Uh, it's really interesting that we're going to be studying Hebrews next semester, and I really hope you guys come back because um, there are some deep, amazing, unbelievable truths that will absolutely be the foundation that you build your faith from here on out on in Hebrews if you've never studied it. Even if you have, guys, seriously, come back. But I will tell you this. I wanted to close with this, with this verse, and it just so happened to be in Hebrews, and it's um, in Hebrews 6, and it's verses 18 through 20. Um, and you might have heard it before. But I'm going to read it to you in the message, and I want you to think about this in terms of where you are walking as we leave, okay? What are we going to do when we leave this place? With all this truth that we've been given, with all this love that we know how to share because we've watched a God who abides in us, and we can abide in him, and now we got to go out and like do it for real, for real time. Hard, right? Easy to do in here. Hard out there. Think about this. Listen to these words. This is verses 18 through 20, Hebrews 6. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It is an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. 
reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus, running ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. In the ESV version, it says that unbreakable spiritual lifeline, you know what it's called in the ESV? Steadfast anchor of the soul. Guys, you have a high priest. You have a king who has come to this earth to show you how to live and then to die for you. You walk out of here not on your own power, not trying to work harder, to run faster, to do better. You can just rest in that. Jesus, I'm going to give you all this junk because I completely, totally fail all the time. Can you just, can you just do this for me? And he will do it for us. Every day, over and over, when the Hebrews read this this text, it was written to a group of believers who were challenged and tempted to shift focus off of the light and onto the world. Is that us? Yes, it is. We are tempted every day. And so when we walk out of here and we don't find ourselves in here every Wednesday morning studying God's word and singing beautiful praise music, I challenge you to remember, where is your anchor, guys? Where is it? Both hands, don't let go. Grab hold. We need to know Jesus. That's truth. We need to live in truth. That's obedience. And we need to reflect love. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words. and They are so timely. It's insane. You are just crazy. You show off all the time, and it's so cool. We thank you for that. Lord, um, I pray that each one of us walks out of here convicted about something. I don't know what it was, but there is something that you wanted each of us to hear today. And it was uncomfortable and it was not easy. Thank you for that. We don't want comfortable, easy. Well, we do, but we, but we don't. Because, Lord, when it's uncomfortable and it's hard and we struggle and we fall to our knees, you are the only one that can pick us up. And I thank you for that. And I hate that you have to remind us of that all the time, God, because we fail over and over. But thank you that grace is never ending. Your mercies are new every single morning. Thank you, Jesus. And if anybody is here who doesn't have a relationship with you, who doesn't know if they do, Lord, will you just, will you just will you show up like super real to them right now? Because they have to walk out of here understanding that a decision must be made about where they stand on truth. Father, we love you. We pray that you will give us an unnatural ability to love others with agape love this week. Undeserving love. Lord, we beg for you to show us ways to ground our love in truth. Maybe that means to be quiet. Will you just show us? Father, and above all, we thank you for your son. And never ever wanting to sound trite or act like we, we don't see it for what it was, God, but we do just thank you for his life and for his death. All these things we ask in your son's name, Father. Amen. Okay, guys. Now, you don't have to go get your kids yet. You can go take a bathroom break and then head to your small groups. Right, Mary? And don't forget to get the poorly copied um, evaluations that Mary did. And they're terribly copied, so sorry. And enjoy that. because, In fact, on the evaluation, why don't you comment about the copying? <laughs>
I love you guys. I'll see you guys next week for Grub. Don't forget to sign up to bring something because I want food. You two troublemakers down the front. <laughs> <laughs>